0: Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Chris. We're coming to you from Good Earth Village in southeastern Minnesota, spending a weekend at camp with our community. This is our first ever podcast with a live audience. It's uh, fun to be out here enjoying the weather and recording this episode with you all. Welcome, everyone.
1: That was completely rehearsed. (laughs) They're not at all happy to be here with us, but they're good sports. There are good days and there are bad days. And this is one of them. Welcome to episode 26.
2: Welcome to the sandbox. A good day is when the chores are done before I wake up and the kids sleep in late and we do something uh, physically active, and the kids don't fight with each other. And I eat peanut butter. A bad also, day. there's three kids. Also, there's three kids. Uh, one of them is Knox, one of them is Ryan, those two are boys, and one of them is Natalie, which is me, and I'm a girl. There it is. Uh, and, and a bad day is a day with the absence of all of those things.
0: Um, a good day that I had was probably um, when I, at, for my fifth birthday, I went to Disney World.
2: So this
1: year I uh, coached my son's sixth grade baseball team and they worked hard all year. Um, been practicing two, three times a week. They were even coming to optional practices, doing everything we asked, and they couldn't win a game. So we went 0-14 to start our first our first 14 games, got to our last game of the season, and we ended up winning four to three. They had the tying run on third, bottom of the last part of the inning, and got him out at first, and that was definitely a good day just to see them, all their hard work finally pay off.
0: What makes a bad day?
2: I don't want to A good day is when I get whatever I want, and a bad day is when I get completely nothing as a social worker, I sit with clients who have who struggle with a lot of different pain um and sometimes a bad day for me is when you just have to sit with them and there's nothing that you can say to make it better or to make it go away for them and sometimes that can just be a difficult situation.
0: A good day is when I get a nap. A bad day is when my, son be, be, my son's behavior hooks me in.
1: So a good day for me is
2: when I, when, when I watch my kids realize their dreams, whether that's in sports or in any accomplishments that they can achieve.
1: Baseball game. Baseball game? Mm-hmm. Big game.
0: So as humans, we like to categorize things. We have a whole system for categorizing various forms of life. We have plants, animals, whole varieties of species. We create boundaries for what's our stuff and their stuff, our state, their country. We also often categorize our experiences into good and bad.
1: But some things are just bad, right? I mean, you got Jar Jar Banks and... Nickelback, Comic Sans
0: <laughs> Yes, all three of those <laughs> things are terrible Some things Some things are just bad, that was a great list uh, But we aren't always very good At being able to admit when things aren't right I think sometimes we think We're just supposed to hold it in or be Strong or be the bigger person Or, or whatever and that's commendable Most of the time I, But I do think that maybe that idea keeps us From being real about the things that aren't Going well um, I think we really do need to say out loud when things aren't right and maybe even believe they could be different.
1: And so I was in the store just a couple of days ago and it had to, there was this kid, he had to be about three years old. He was having a full on meltdown and he was just going limp in the aisle with all kinds of peaceful, nonviolent techniques and, and he's just screaming, carrying on. And I looked at the kid's dad, he was just standing there helpless. And I couldn't decide who was having a worse day. It was, was it the kid or was it the dad at that moment? And I was, I was pretty jealous of the kid, though, because at least he was able to do what the rest of us mm-hmm. feel sometimes. Somewhere along the line, it becomes a bit awkward and socially unacceptable to express ourselves like that when a bad day happens.
0: Yeah, no, just random screaming. That just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't usually go well. Um, but some things you know still just are bad and and Mm -hmm. most of the time it would be great if we could just like that little kid just express it um you know even after the fact if something that we experience informs um the way we move forward you know it teaches us something it's still good in that moment i think to express that it's just terrible yeah Yeah. um but some things also are just good puppy dogs apple pie unicorns rainbows baseball I i don't really like baseball but what what
1: what kind of American are you?
0: <laughs> not not a very good one sometimes, but uh, but Dave, what what is a good day for you? Oh man, it's this one
1: doesn't have as much to do with baseball, but football season is coming up, and I love laying on the couch in my living room on a Sunday afternoon, half awake, half asleep, generally one eye open sometimes maybe a football (laughs) game is on the tv and i'm catching a victory nap and at that point everything is in its right place everything is right with the world and over the years people have asked me what heaven might look like what heaven might be like looks like that i'm pretty sure that's my answer A, a, a couch a game home and a nap maybe some bacon cooking in the background, (laughs) the promise of a taco for dinner that night. (laughs) What about you?
0: So I love to travel. So anytime that I'm on the road headed somewhere new or somewhere that I love, it's always a great day. Uh, Road trips are absolutely the best. I love exploring new places, meeting new people. I think it's one of the times that I most enjoy life. And just Mm -hmm. to put that into a little bit of perspective, got a new car in November with 17,000 miles on it. Eight months later, it's at 38,000 and has been to 12 states since January.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you running from? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, pretty
0: amazing. impressive. Um, but anyway, so what about, what about a bad day for you, Dave?
1: Man, a bad day. I am scheduled to within an inch of my life. Lots of logistics, lots of details. I'm getting micromanaged. Crabby people aren't giving me the benefit of the doubt. And somebody has the gall to serve me fish and avocados Two of my least favorite food groups. What about you, Chris?
0: Um, I definitely agree to the detail part. Mm -hmm. That is no good. Nothing good about that. Um, But the thing that comes to mind actually is a day last summer uh, specific. I was minding my own business in the backyard. And after mowing, I decided to flip the compost pile, trying to be responsible, take care of things. Uh, So I grabbed the pitchfork and started to lift the pile to flip it. And before I knew what was happening, there were wasps swarming all over, and I bolted about as far and as fast as Mm -hmm. I could the other direction. Turns out poking the nest with a pitchfork is not the best idea I've ever had.
1: (laughs) Now, as we were talking about this the other day, uh, we also came up with this question. Do we hold on to our good days or do we hold on to our our bad days? In other words, looking back over time, what sticks with us and, and forms us? What do you remember most?
0: Is it the good days or is it the bad days? So I think sometimes we do hold on to our bad days. Um, Sometimes it's helpful. Maybe it shapes the way we see a new experience Mm -hmm. or, you know, more practically, don't stick the pitchfork into the beehive.
1: Not recommended. Uh,
0: Not a good idea. Um, You know, something at the time maybe seemed like a bad day might turn out to provide important insight for the thing that's to come. Like next time, check the compost pile first. (laughs) Other times I think we could be holding on too tightly because sometimes tough things are just difficult and they stick with us for a while. But at some point, I do think we need to work at letting go of a lot of the things that we experience as bad. But kind of getting back to your question, I think more often than not, we hold on to the best things, the, maybe the best memories of a period of time, and kind of that nostalgia of what was. And was it really that good? Maybe not, probably not. But we don't often dwell on the bad things anymore. We kind of see it a little bit more holistically in, in terms of the better things.
1: Yeah, it, I, for me, it, it comes back to, you know the older I get, the better I was. And I think that's very true. (laughs) But looking back at college, I loved it. Good friends, new experiences, adventures, random conversations at 3 a.m. And and I think that's where friendships and and lifelong bonds are formed. But to be honest, there were some very hard days in there. I had had some bad days and maybe even lots of them. Sleep deprived, confused, had my heart broken in some relationships, I totaled my car. I was confused about my future. I even got a bad haircut <laughs> once. <laughs> that was a bad day. But seriously, there were some really tough days in there. And, and I honestly, I don't think about those days so much anymore. Uh, the good ones are ultimately what I really remember, what really defined that time in my life.
0: Yeah, I think over time, our perspective changes. That's for sure. Sometimes... You just have to keep moving forward. So thinking about good days and bad days, we'd like to invite our friend Al Spohn to share a story with us. We'll let you decide which kind of day it is.
2: Naked in North Omaha. There was a point in my life when I felt compelled to compete in triathlons. My, movi- my motivation for doing so was always in question. Among the possibilities to have more success with women, to stave off the <laughs> onset of some painful illness before middle age, to create conversation fodder for awkward silences, <laughs> to bring a rosy glow to my cheeks, <laughs> to cultivate a splendid physical yang to my undeniably geeky yang, <coughs> or most mundane of all, to satisfy competitive instincts. My overall success with these competitions was not noteworthy. noteworthy. <laughs> <laughs> primarily because I, had a terrible, I was a terrible bike rider riding a terrible bike. I tended to excel in the swimming leg due to my long history of competitive swimming and I could more or less hold my own in the run against anyone but a pure runner. But my wretched performance on the bike more than neutralized any other advantage I might have had. And so it came to be that the Jewish Community Center in Omaha, Nebraska decided to hold the biathlon consisting of swimming and running. I really felt like this was something I could sink my teeth into, although it was still difficult for me to conceive that I would finish any better than in the top third or so. But that in itself would have constituted a significant improvement over past performances. The day of the race was of the beautiful summer variety, without a cloud in the sky. I showed up a bit late as usual since I didn't care about my starting position and generally ignored the pre-race briefing since my directive consisted essentially of following the person in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) My competitors looked to be the usual crew of hard bodies plus a younger contingent that I figured to be mostly age group swimmers. The 1,500-yard swim was the first event. People were paired up in lanes and started at specific intervals. Interestingly, and purely by chance, I was put in the very first heat. At the sound of the gun, I concentrated on a long and strong turnover, planning to up my pace count somewhat as my endurance allowed. Being in pretty decent swimming shape, I was pleased to see I was leaving the group behind, although I didn't rule out the possibility that I might choke and be overtaken by one or more age group hot shots. But my lead only lengthened over time as far as I could tell, and by the time I hopped out of the pool and loped over to the transition area, I was about five minutes ahead of the next person. As I frantically laced my shoes, I noted that the run-departure area seemed very well-marked. I elected to stay in my Speedo, since that was a kind of vogue thing to do in those days, (laughs) and the run was just five miles in the local area as I understood it. I figured I could probably maintain a 6.30 to 7-minute pace, which might well have assured me the overall win unless the person behind me was a serious runner. My legs felt good as I got underway to the cheers of the local volunteers and I was actually looking forward to the drama of protecting my lead against what would almost certainly be a closing field. I synced my bulbous triathlon watch at the departure point and tried to remain calm and on pace, looking only for the first mile marker. I came to notice that the route signs degenerated from planted wooden signs to a kind of spray painted shorthand on the road as I moved further from the departure area. However, the road services were fine, and I was feeling good, so very little to diminish my enthusiasm at that point. Checking my watch for the first time, I noticed I was about the six, minute- six minutes into the run, so I was anticipating a mile marker quite soon. At 6.30, I was moderately surprised not to see anything, and by 7.30, I had come to the conclusion that I was either running pathetically slow or that the race organizers had elected to skip mile markers. <laughs> I felt too good for the first option to be a possibility, so I cursed the volunteers (laughs) under my breath (laughs) and felt violated by having to pace myself against, well, myself. (laughs) Although it was encouraging to see that no one was even on the horizon behind me when I glanced back on occasion, a certain uneasiness began to gnaw at the pit of my stomach. (laughs) The U.S. Air Force is what brought me to Omaha. It was the headquarters of the now-defunct Strategic Air Command, and I was, by profession, a B-52 navigator, However, my role at the Strategic Air Command didn't involve flying. I was passing my days there in the intelligence wing as a penetration analyst. (laughs) I used to frequently long for the implications of that job title to be true in those days. (laughs) (laughs) The bland reality of the situation was that my job was to analyze enemy air defenses and work with the mathematical odds of our bombers' ability to penetrate them in various scenarios. But the familiar feeling I had in the pit of my stomach had nothing to do with my current job. Rather, it was reminiscent of my navigation days. It was the same feeling I had when I, the person in charge with maintaining the precise location of a multi-million dollar aircraft was lost. It had been 13 minutes since I'd seen any race markers and judging from the position of the sun, I was heading mostly northwest. Still, there was no reason to panic yet since it seemed to me that the course had been pretty much option free thus far, in terms of route alternatives. But that feeling in the gut of my stomach hadn't failed me in 3,000 hours of flying, and it struck me as odd that I hadn't seen a single race reference, volunteer or spectator, for such a long stretch of time. My worst fears were confirmed minutes later when I came to a major split in the road with no visible reference as to which (laughs) way to proceed. (laughs) Responding to fear with anger may well have been an artifact of my military training. When a two-ship B-52 formation, of which I was a, part became collectively lost out in the middle of the pacific ocean when both navigation systems went out things degenerated rapidly uh to angry finger pointing and plans for and plans for retribution tempers flared pouting ensued and grown men with would nearly come to blows over things like a stale bologna sandwich when finally saved by another airplane passing just barely within radio range everyone became amorous again until it was eventually determined that the other plane gave us what was called a reciprocal heading, i.e. a heading 180 degrees out from the intended direction. We sulked for another five minutes until the radio crackled a barely audible confession of the other, nav- the other airplane's rookie navigation error. By the time we landed, with not much more than fumes in our tanks, we had collaborated by necessity to, th- to be certain that our story was straight when it came time to face the base and squadron commanders waiting for us at the parking stub. Lacking an available target of opportunity on whom to vent my frustration, I simply ran faster, taking what appeared to me to be the more likely route. Sadly, I was unfamiliar with this part of Omaha since I lived in another part of town and hadn't been there long to boot. Now when I glanced furtively over my shoulder, it was with the hope of seeing another runner on the horizon, (laughs) but none was to be had. My navigation instincts were speaking to me in a calm, collected manner. You're screwed. (laughs) (coughs) Clearly, some form of strategy was called for. I'd vaguely recollected the general course of the race to be roughly circular from the thumb-sized depiction on the race brochure, with with the starting and finishing point being in the southwest extreme, running in a counterclockwise direction. I reckoned, if that were the case, it was probably time to start heading north, since I'd been running due east for about 25 minutes at this point. One thing I'd noticed was that my surroundings were becoming somewhat dilapidated, but short of turning around and returning from the direction I came... I was powerless to do anything about it and too angry to care. Little did I know that when I turned north, I was entering into the area of Omaha that, within just a five or ten block quadrant, accounted for 90% of the violent murders in the entire state of Nebraska. As the dilapidation became more morbid and the graffiti more prolific, traffic became sparse, as did pedestrians. However, those persons on the street that I did see seemed to take quite an interest in me. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike the suburbanites of a few miles past, I felt my anger beginning to dissipate as I took stock of my situation. Possibly the only unarmed person within several city blocks and definitely the only living thing wearing nothing but a Speedo. (laughs) 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 Although I was sweating profusely as it was, I sensed at this point that I was probably leaving footprints the same color as my running shoes. This, in fact, was the case when I sweated prolifically on beach runs in Florida, in Florida beaches in the summer. Angry young men were starting to jog alongside me, usually losing interest after 50 yards or so, <laughs> shouting a parting epithet or phrases such as, That's right, keep running. You better know kung fu. and <laughs> <laughs> Where's your pants at? <laughs> <laughs> now the idea of not turning around was no longer a strategic consideration but a survival instinct. I was convinced that the faster I kept moving, the better my chances insofar as I would be past predatory individuals before they had a chance or inclination to react. In retrospect, I was terribly fortunate that this was before the days of widespread cell phone use. (laughs) (coughs) Children became an issue at one point. They tended to swarm and had much better endurance than their unseemly adult (laughs) counterparts. Some of them would stay with me for two or three blocks at a stretch parroting their elders with a series of sexual insults, or sometimes demonstrating mere basic curiosity. Why are you naked? (laughs) Or, who's chasing you? Ain't you got a bike? (laughs) (laughs) They would squeal with delight as I sprinted through intersections running against nearly every light, sometimes almost brushing up against unyielding vehicles so they were probably as anxious to make it through the neighborhood as I was. I figured tempting death in an intersection would either get me arrested which sounded great at the time, <laughs> or dead, which didn't sound as good, but, dead, but better than becoming the appetizer of a recently released inmate or worse. Eventually, I began to take on the look of a nearly nude pied piper, the humor, the humor of which was lost on concerned parents leaking on from stoops and windows. You stay away from my child. <laughs> One little girl was intercepted violently by an adult and was reprimanded thusly. Don't you know anything? Why are you chasing after that crazy naked man? <laughs> Catastrophic though it may have been, this was truly the run of my life. Funny how the perception of running for your life can result in the run of your life. Soon downtown landmarks started to look familiar and I realized I was a minimum of 10 miles off course. But the relief of rejoining my suburban counterparts would have been every bit as inviting had I been 100 miles off course. Once I got my bearings, I was able to calculate rough, rough headings often along major highways. that brought me back two hours later to the Jewish Community Center. Across the finish line 180 degrees out from the intended direction, <laughs> just, as, just as they were in the process of disassembling the race banner. Although there were a few athletes still in the vicinity eating fruit and drinking water, the event was largely shut down. My hope was to find my way as anonymously as possible to my car, but when I was on the brink of escaping, I heard, I heard from behind, Hey, there he is! <laughs> I kept walking at a somewhat brisker pace, determined not to turn around. Hey, what happened to you? As they approached... As the approaching figures disappeared in my rearview mirror, I knew my moment of athletic domination had come and gone forever. But it was good to be back in my car, my primal dignity intact, with layers of steel, plastic, and glass separating me from the cruel outside world.
0: All right. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Al, was that a good day or a bad day? No, I'm, just, I'm just glad to have survived that day. <laughs> yeah. oh, it was man. an insightful day.
1: An insightful day.
0: How did you feel about it then?
2: Uh, then, um, I'm surprised I didn't soil myself. <laughs> but I think that the Speedo was probably the only thing that kept me from doing that. <laughs> <Bloody right. laughs>
1: so I, I've, I've been in situations where we say, you know what? We're going to look back at this moment and we're going to laugh. You're laughing now. When did that moment happen when you were able to laugh? Was it like soon after or did it take
2: a while? I I think I blacked out for about a year and a half after that and I started (laughs) thinking about it and then I actually wrote the story, but uh, I was happy to get home.
0: (laughs) I I bet, I bet. Good days and bad days are all a part of the whole picture. Sometimes we take five steps forward and two steps back. The steps forward are real and so are the steps back, but I think the movement is forward. Kind of like an
1: Al story. He kept moving forward. Or, or at least he kept moving. <laughs> at least
0: moving. Yeah. You know, sometimes there aren't many other options. Sometimes things are good, and sometimes things are bad. Good days and bad days. But it's all part of the journey. So a few years back, I got a phone call.
1: It's the kind of phone call we all dread. I received the news that someone I loved dearly had died. To say that was a bad day... That's an understatement. It was crushing. And in a split second, I was so angry with God, wondering why God did this. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like you wanted to shake your fists at the clouds, yelling at God and saying, you know what, if that's the way you operate, if that's how you roll, I'm done. I'm out. Truth is, once the acute pain of that moment receded, i came to realize to understand that i don't i don't believe in that god i don't believe in the kind of god who stands at a distance and and does bad things to us just to see how we will react a deity who sits around like a kid with a magnifying glass burning ants on the pavement i don't believe in a god who stands at a distance but i do believe in a god who joins us in our suffering and to me That's what the cross is all about. The image of the cross shows how God, the infinite, the creator, enters into our deepest struggle, our deepest pain, whatever that is, and then ultimately transforms it into something new. When we are suffering, God suffers with us. When we are celebrating, and in the midst of a great and perfect day, God celebrates and laughs with us. Good day, bad day, God is in it. God's in the stuff of life, in solidarity with us. Transforming it, transforming us into something new.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. It was fun to be here at Good Earth Village in southeastern Minnesota with our people, Thanks to Al Spohn for scaring us with your horrific story. Uh, It was great to be here with this audience. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. In a couple of weeks, we'll
1: hear from Haley Scandrett, who shared with us about the online magazine she co-founded for young adults to join in conversation around a variety of faith topics.
0: And remember, if you want to stay in touch with us, sign up for our email updates via our website, connect with us through Facebook and Twitter, and be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. And of course, subscribe to the
1: podcast, or if you're already subscribed, share this podcast with someone who might just like it. There's always more room in the sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please
0: watch your step as you exit the sandbox.